Bhūmagyānatimirandasya Jnānanjanāsalakāyā Chakshurunaritam dhenatasmai Shri Guruve Namaha Vandeshi Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito Gododai Pushpavanto Chitro Sandotamonudo Shri Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai Harinam Prabhu ki jai So I offer my respectful obeisances unto uh, all of the assembled devotees and to all of uh, your various, as it may be, guides, gurus, and um, particularly to Sripad Satsarup Sami Maharaj, who many of you are closely associated with, and of course to my gurus, Jilukesi Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada and Jilukesi Bhaktivedanta Goswami Maharaj. So, in this particular visit, as you may recall, some of you who have been coming to these gatherings, in the past we've been discussing from Krishna Leela, relative to the different times of the year that we had assembled. We talked just after Janamastami, so we discussed some things at that time, and we discussed uh, later again the Upi Vastraharana Leela in Agraheim, in the month of November, when I was here, and we discussed in the springtime the Shivaratri, the inhabitants of Vrindavan's participation in the uh, worship of Mahadev. Very interesting discussion. And then uh, I should have come again between then and now. <laughs> so many things were discussed in your absence, but at this time, now we are discussing Chaitanya Chaitamrita with the um, coming of Rathyatra. I invited most of you and all of you who haven't been invited are invited as of now for me to attend our festival in California. We have a festival three or four days before the Rathyatra in San Francisco that the ISKCON Society holds and they graciously invite us. In fact, I was the esteemed guest of honor last year and was given the broom to sweep the street for Lord Jagannath and the... Uh, opportunity to offer the Arctic to him and he, when he arrived at the festival site. So, at any rate, we will be gathering and uh, discussing Chaitanya Lila relative to Ratiyatra for three or four days and then going to the Ratiyatra. That's the festival, but we are beginning our discussion today a little bit in advance. After all, it is rather a extensive Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's his connection with Puri in general and cannot be connected with Jagannath Puri without being connected with the Jagannath Ratayatra festival. So I'll uh, sing a few of the poems of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami and discuss as we go along. We're beginning in the tenth chapter of Madhulila. Kaviraj Goswami, as is characteristic of his book, he begins the chapter with a Sanskrit shloka of his own. Most of the Sanskrit shlokas in Chaitanya Charitamrita, of course, are not his own compositions, but uh, texts from the Bhagavat, Puranas, and other scriptures that serve as evidence for the statements he makes in the Bengali vernacular. This is one of the important, the most important book of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a number of ways, in a number of respects, and one of them is that it is in Bengali. Of course, the Chaitanya Bhagavad is also in Bengali, and that precedes this book. But it doesn't contain the same measure of theological and philosophical representation of the doctrine of the Goswamis that Chaitanya Charitamrita does. Of course, the author, Sri Krishnanas Kaviraj, throughout gives deference to Vrindavan Das Thakur, the author who preceded him, who wrote Chaitanya Bhagavad, which is also in Bengali. It's important that it's in Bengali. The point I'm making in that is that, it, that what? That it has become more accessible. Maybe not to you, but... <laughs> <something>. <laughs> but at the time, you see, text written in Sanskrit is more difficult to penetrate. Education was required, and schooling and all this. But Bengali was a much more common language, certainly in Bengal, and... 
in the Brudge as well. So this is a great uh, contribution, both in terms of it, the magnanimity of its the scale of its distribution and the extent to which, at the same time, in that language, it represented so concisely the philosophy and theology penned by the Goswamis that explained in Sanskrit what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, what he is, what is the experience of Chaitanya Deva and the significance of that to us. And they demonstrated that, of course, nana shastra vichara by excavating the great mine of revealed scriptures and bringing forth the jewels of their own reflections and insights gained from that excavation shed light on the importance of bhakti in general and the bhakti of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in particular. So we have a super excellent text in Chaitanya Charitamrita in every respect. And as I mentioned, the system of the book largely is that the points are made in Bangla and then supported by Sanskrit shlokas from the various texts that constitute in everyone's mind revealed scripture. In other words, at the time, Chaitanya Charitamrita would not have been accepted as a revealed scripture. But because he can show his points, demonstrate them from the standard of knowledge, the Sanskrit text, Puranas and, and so forth, and Bhagavatam in particular, which is so central to the Gaudiya ideology, it has become by the Gaudiya is accepted as scripture, and for that matter, it should be by others as well. After all, the scripture is a living thing. It is not a static thing, it's a dynamic thing. I've said before, and it's worth mentioning again, that Prabhupada often gave the example of law books when speaking about scripture. He said, just like if you want to demonstrate your point by going to court, and you can cite the law books well, then the chance that you will prevail is much better than if you just go before the judge and say, I think, I feel, and I believe, Your Honor, with all my heart, that he's innocent. If the prosecuting attorney says, well, that's fine, but according to the law, at this date it was shown this, and another date this case showed this, and putting these together in a synthesis, I say that the law should be determined in this instance this way. So he used to emphasize like this, that if you know the books, the standard of knowledge, then you're in the uh, spiritual arena. Can it cite from the revealed texts, give evidence and support to your idea, then it's questionable. This is an enormous body of revealed insight, the scripture. Now, the point I'm making, of course, is that while this analogy that he gave serves to give us a sense of security, there's a standard of knowledge. I can turn to page such and such. I can quote it. And as I do become familiar with it, I do become more secure in my understanding. It, it strengthens my faith with its reasoning and so on. So I get a sense of security from that. And then the analogy appears to be one that makes the books out to be very static. Just repeat the book. Just turn to page 89. There's the answer. All the answers are in the book. But if you play the analogy out that Prabhupada himself used of law books, we know very well that the law is all written in the books, but it's determined every day. Understand what I mean? We quote the standard books, but new laws are being made all the time. The law is being determined in this particular instance one way, in another instance another way. So it's a very dynamic thing. So this scripture, you should understand, is it, the principle here is not a particular number of books. In fact, Prabhupada used to say, oh, uh, because he was fond of the fact that he was compiling an edition of Srimad Bhagavatam in English that was made up of many, many volumes. At least 60, he used to say 60, I think. We have 60 volumes of books. I think it depends how you print them, of course, but <laughs> at one time there was at least 30 of the Bhagavatam, and maybe 60 collectively of all the books that he had, had written. But at any rate, he used to say with regard to the Bhagavatam, there's a minimum of 60 volumes. And other planets, there are so many, 100 volumes. It is, after all, Bhagavatam is our, and that's our prime scripture, it is, after all, the story of God, the life of God. <laughs> so we cannot put uh, a page 
number on that, the story of reality. And the wonderful thing about the story of reality is that in that book of reality, there's a page, and it's got your name on it, you see. And you have to fill in, you have to write your own story there to some extent. You have to know what fits in the book and what doesn't fit, how to fit into the book. <laughs> what is the nature of reality? What you are? What is matter? What is spirit? What am I? What is God? What is the relation? You have to know all these things. And I don't mean theoretically, you have to realize all these things. And when we realize all those things, then you can fly in the sky as high as you like and write your own, your own story in there of love of God, your own love for God. So it's a very dynamic thing. So if we understand it in this way, then who can complain when we say, no, Chaitanya Charitamrita, this is a definitive scripture. To someone who says, no, only the Upanishads we will accept. Maybe only a few Upanishads we will accept. Or maybe we'll accept Upanishads and Puranas, but not all of them. Shruti is more important than Smriti. Our argument is just the opposite. Of course, these things are not so significant for us here in the West. What is Shruti? What is Smriti? Who could care? It's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much the case. But, but the principle is important. That knowing we will know from up to down, when the upper side cares to come down to us, then we can know. If God chooses to reveal himself, then it's possible to know. Otherwise not. We have a finite position. God is an infinite position. How can the finite know the infinite? This is the question. The answer is, if the infinite chooses to reveal himself to the finite, then what was otherwise impossible, for infinite there is no impossible. So we are very much concerned about revelation. We think that this is the way to arrive at comprehensive knowing. That means to say that if there is perfect knowledge, and it must be because everyone's looking for that, and those who say there isn't, they still continue to look for it. So who's crazy is a good question to ask. Not us for looking for that. Everyone is looking for that. In other words, Everyone's trying to be happy, and happiness requires a certain type of activity, and all activity is informed by knowledge. So if we have perfect knowledge, we can be perfectly happy. This is the idea. But we are imperfect in our present condition. We don't know perfection. It's a story. We know of it. We've heard of it. We pursue it. But if we are to actually find it, know it, realize it, then we have to consider at the very start of our journey that it's perfect. Therefore, it's venerable by us. If we venerate this idea of perfect knowledge, that's what we call bhakti, then it will reveal itself. You know, George Washington Carver said that if you love something enough, it will reveal all its secrets. This is Krishna consciousness. So, this is how it should be the very uh, nature of our approach to knowing, to becoming happy, a worshipful approach, devotion, bhakti, sacrifice, giving, love. And indeed, such books as Chaitanya Charitamrita have come to us out of love. They will be understood through love. Kurunayaha Purana Guhyam. She, Sudha Goswami, said, about my Gurudev, Sukadev, the speaker of the Bhagavad, before he gave his speech to the sages at Naimasharani, who wanted to know what he had heard in that great assembly where the boy Sukadev spoke to the Raj Parikit, a boy speaking to the king, not king, emperor of the time. What an event. And the sage Vyas, his own father, was there to hear from the boy what he would say. Not only that, the guru of the sage Vyas, Narada, was also present. What will the boy say? The point is, what is the nature of that topic? Can never say enough about that. Shankar says, cannot speak about it. We say, no, we cannot say enough about it. About his Gurudev, she 
Sukar, Shiksha Guru of Sutta Goswami, whom he heard the Shiksha of Srimad Bhagavatam in the assembly. Sukadev says, let me offer my regard to him before I say anything. And among other things, I say this about him. Karunaya ha Puranaguyam. What does it mean? The Puranaguyam, the secret rahasya of this Bhagavat, this Purana, that Karunayaha, he spoke it, he revealed the secrets out of love, out of compassion. That means he had no personal motive to fulfill. He was full, therefore he could give. So such texts come to us out of love. They will be understood by reciprocating in kind. So Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, as I mentioned, begins all of his chapters for the most part with a Sanskrit verse that gives some summary of what we'll find in that chapter, especially with regard to the chapters describing the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. After he passes through Adi Leela, Adi Leela begins with a whole philosophical treatise covering the first six chapters, and then seven chapters, really. In the seventh chapter, he also explains why he wrote the book, what is the inspiration behind it, his regard to Vrindavan Das Thakur, as I mentioned, the predecessor who had written about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <coughs> then he begins to introduce all the players. The principal players have been dis- introduced in the philosophical section. Advaita Prabhu, Nitananda Prabhu, Karadhar, Srivas, and then so many other players are introduced through the metaphor of the tree of bhakti, the branches of which are so many associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When all the associate, the philosophical foundation is laid, for the most part, not that there's not more to be drawn from it, certainly there is, but there's basic sambandha is given, then all the players are introduced, and then the drama begins. In Adilila also, maybe 13th chapter, the advent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. Now we're in Madhilila, 10th chapter. Krishna Natskavira Goswami says, Tambande Gora Jaladam Swasya Yo Darshan Amritan Vicheda Vagraha Mlana Bhakta Shashyani Ajivayat. It says, Tambande Gora Jaladam. I offer my pranam, my everything, my mind, my body, my words. This is pranam, dandavat pranam. We emphasize that. And I offer my, my life, my breath, myself unto Gora. Tambande Gora Jaladam. Gora Jaladam means, he says, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu means Gora who like, like water. He's giving a nice poetic analogy. Like water. Swasayo darshan amritai, whose darshan, whose audience is immortal nectar. Amrit, amrit means immortality and amrit means nectar. It is said, Mrityam amritam gamayo. Mrityam mam amritam gamayo. Tamasigma jutir gama. Mrityam mam amritam gamayo. Asato sad gamayo. Tamaso ma. This is the language of the Upanishads. From mortality, from asat come to sat, from unreality come to reality, from ignorance, tamasa, darkness come to light. Mrityamam, from the land of death come to the land of amrita. Mrityamam amritam gamayo. So he says, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's darshan is of the land of Amrit. And his devotees, he says, Vicheda means separation. Vicheda bhagraha mlana bhakta shashyani adivayad. He says, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like water and his devotees in separation from him are like grains that need water in order to be sustained. And in separation from him, without the water, the nectar, water of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's darshan, his company, his audience, they're uh, drying up and withering away. Thus, he introduces the chapter in which we hear about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's return from South India to Jagannath Puri.
upon his return, the Ratayatra festivals will begin to commence. And the devotees from Bengal, hearing of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's return to Puri from the south, where he had gone for two years, they will come in droves from Bengal and in this way year after year while Mahaprabhu was in Puri this Rathiyatra went on so this is what this chapter is a little bit about actually in the previous chapter Chaitanya Mahaprabhu returned just towards the end Kaviraj Goswami as a literary device is backtracking here a little bit and taking us to the attention of one devotee in Puri who is feeling particularly bereft because of not having the darshan ever yet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu but having heard about him and his situation is very pitiful and instructive at the same time to all of us because not only has he not had the darshan of Mahaprabhu but it appears for quite a few chapters that he won't be able to get it either and who is he? the Raj himself of Puri Pratap the king could not have the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu what is the value of his uh, it, could, it could not be purchased you see, with all the riches of Maharaj Prataparudra, and he was head of fortified kingdom there. After all, Bengal was being ruled, was ruled at the time by the Muslims, but they could not penetrate into Puri. It was a strong kingdom, so he had a big treasure chest, this Raj Prataparudra. But with all of that, he could not purchase the darshan of the audience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Of course, we'll see that the devotees are very merciful and arrangement is ultimately made. But this is an important kind of uh, subplot of the whole description of the uh, Rathiatra festivals of Jagannath Puri, the plight of Maharaj Prataparudra. And it begins here in this chapter, which begins, as we have heard, with an analogy in which the separation that the devotees feel from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is stressed. Kaviraj Goswami says then, Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jai Advaita Chandra Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Purve Jobe Mahaprabhu Cholilag Dakhine Prataparudra Raj Tobe Bulaila Sarvabhome He says, Purve Jobe Mahaprabhu Cholile Dakhine Purve, previously Mahaprabhu Cholile Dakhine He went to the South India Ah, oh, yes, he had gone to South India. He had arrived in Puri, and shortly thereafter, after converting the guru of the king, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, the most learned man in Puri, beyond Puri for that matter, sannyasis used to come from distant places to live under the tutelage of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, where they would learn logic of Vedanta and become fortified in their conceptual orientation, intellectually fortified in their position as renunciates. He was powerful and learned. And he had been converted by this uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this was big news in the kingdom. This the boy. He was only 25. And Sarvabhoma was a uh, contemporary of his, his elders, Mahaprabhu's elders in Bengal. He actually hailed from Bengal and later came to Puri. So this was headline news. King of the Guru has been converted by the young boy to his new new religion of singing and dancing emotionally. And, and he is singing and dancing emotionally. This grave Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, very sober fellow, has lost his sobriety, it seems, <laughs> under the influence of this young lad. So after doing that, Mahaprabhu very quickly proceeded on to South India. This was in itself was very distressing to Sarvabhoma and, of course, to other devotees. Nityananda Prabhu said, volunteered, you cannot go alone. Let me go. I know the ways, all the pathways to South India. He had gone there at Balram during the Kurukshetra War. And, of course, as a young lad also, he left home with a sannyasi and traveled the length and breadth of India, waiting for Mahaprabhu to manifest himself in terms of his lilas of Vaishnav. Mahaprabhu refused, and others volunteered, and he refused them all. Finally, Nityananda Prabhu was successful in, in getting him to take one unknown fellow, Kal Krishnadas, as an assistant. 
he reasoned, look, you're going to have a problem. You will not be able to hold your beads and your dunda and your water pot all at once when ecstasy strikes, so you have to have some assistant <laughs> to help you. So Mahaprabhu had agreed. So Prataparudra Raj Tobe Bolela Sarvome. So Raj Prataparudra, he called about the charge to his uh, his palace. Bosite Asun Dile Korinamaskar. He gave him a night. Bosite. He said, you sit here, please. And he offered him, gave him a respectful greeting. Korinamaskar. Mahaprabhur Barto Tobe Pujile Tanhare. Then he inquired from him about this uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, Shuni Lana Tomar Ghare Ekumahashai Godohuite Oile Tenho Mahakripo Mohe. He said, I have heard that in your home, Tomar Ghare Ekumahashai, that you put up one great person, you accommodated there at your home for some time, one great person, Godohuite Oile, who has come from Goda, from Bengal. Tenho Mahakripa, and I've heard that he is very, very merciful, this person. Tomare bohu kripa koila kohe sarvajan kripa kori koraha more tanhara darshan. He says, I've also heard that he has shown great favor to you in particular. And everybody's saying this. Sarvajan kohe. All the people are saying this. So kripa kori koraha more tanhara darshan. So you please be merciful to me since you've got so much mercy, and make an arrangement that I can have his audience. So, again, this is the beginning. This Pratapurudramash, this is so painful. He knows that this Mahaprabhu is so merciful. He's giving his mercy quite freely, but still because of his position as the Raj, as we'll hear, it's difficult for him to get that audience, that mercy. Bhatta Kohe Sosarva Boma Bhattacharya replies, he says, Yeshuni le shab satyahai. Yeah, what you've heard is true. That's a fact. Tanra darshan tomar gata nahai. But the darshan's not happening. That's what he said. That's not happening. Birakta sanyasi tenho rohana nirjane. Swapnehana koren tenho raj darshane. He said, this great person, he's birakta sanyasi. He's very renounced. So he's very much removed from uh, worldly affairs and he stays in a solitary place. He says, even in his swapna, even in his dream, he doesn't give an audience to king. <laughs> so the contrast is made here between the virakti, the sannyasi, the tyagi, who lives in a solitary place, and the king. The epitome of, of worldliness, wealth and political concerns and so on. So in order to protect his status as a renunciate and to fulfill that, he doesn't associate with worldly people. He wouldn't be caught in a dream with worldly people. Or to speak of a king. He says, Tatapi prakare toma karaitam darshan he said, still, I would have tried to arrange a darshan, but he's already gone to South India. So the king asked, Rajkohe, Why did you let him go? Why did you let him leave Jagannath Puri? And Bhattakohe, Sarvabhama replies, Mohantere Ekalila. He says, this is the lila of great people. What does he mean by that? Tirto povitra korite kore tirto brahmana se chale nishtare sangsarika jhan. They go wherever they want, these saintly people. They do whatever they want. They are independent. He said, for this reason, for his own reason, if there's any reason, he said, He's gone to the Tirthas, holy places in South India, to purify the Tirthas. He's emphasizing he has nothing to gain. He's not going for any reason for his own purification 
I cannot keep him here because he does what he's independent, does whatever he wants. This is his position. He quotes a Bhagavad verse, Bhavad Vidha Bhagavatas Tirta Bhuta Swayam Bibhu Tirti Kurvanti Tirtani Santastena Gadhabhita. Maharaj Yudhisthira speaking to Bidura in Srimad Bhagavatam. Bidura wanted to go on Tirtha Jatra, visiting holy places. And Yudhisthira Maharaj wanted to keep him there. And he said, What is the point of you? You are a Mahatma, a great soul, going to holy places. You are a holy place. Wherever you go, you carry the Lord in your heart. So you verily are a Tirtha. What is the point of your going to any Tirtha? Of course, Sarvas Bhattacharya has given a nice point. He's going to purify the people of the Tirtha. What is his position? Vaishnavera hechoi ek swabhavanishchal tenudjiva nahin han swatantra ishwar. He says, Vaishnavas, they go and travel to places of pilgrimage in order to purify them and, and they reclaim thereby the fallen souls. He says, this is the swabhav. Ikswabhav, one of the, it's kind of very the very nature of the Vaishnav, compassionate in this way. He says about Mahaprabhu, he says, Tenhojiva Nahina, he's not a jiva, this Mahant, by the way, Hoiswatantra Ishwar, he's the independent Ishwar, God himself. Rajkohitanretumi, yoite kene dile, paitpodi, yatnakori, kene narakile. So the king, hearing this, he says, why did you let him leave? Why didn't you follow the feet and, and beg him to stay? Actually, Saravoma <coughs> had done that. Saravoma told him, told Mahabrabhu, let lightning come and strike my house. Let my son drop dead. Right now, I can tolerate that. But I cannot tolerate your separation. This is a real grihasta. <laughs> <laughs> he was a family man. Saravoma bought the charge let my son die. That would not be a problem comparatively to having your separation, trying to bear the pain of separation from you. So, whether you are a sannyasi or a householder, no difference. He said, doesn't matter. You can be a householder, you can be a sannyasi, doesn't make any difference. As long as, sadahari bole as long as you are always taking the name of Krishna. In other words, as long as you are more attached to Krishna Nam than you are to your monastery <laughs> or your new house, as may be the case. Prabhupada wrote in his book, Sannyasi should not be attached to, uh, too much to one particular temple either. So he was, a, uh, this way, a very good example of this point. doesn't matter what station necessarily we are in. As long as Krishna is the center, to make Krishna the center. That is the duty of everyone, whether we grihasta, brahmachari, sannyasi, sannyasi, vanaprasta, any combination thereof or whatever. <laughs> make Krishna the center. This is the idea. And Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya has given an easy way to do that. Anyone can chant Harinam. It doesn't require anything but a little sincerity. It doesn't require money. Jagannath Mishra, the father of Mahaprabhu, was broke poor. Devaki, Vasudeva, they were living in prison. They had Krishna as their son. You see. So, they don't need any material facility to practice Krishna consciousness. Because Krishna consciousness has nothing to do with material existence, really. It has nothing to do, I should say, with the illusion of material existence. It has everything to do with the spiritual reality. In material existence, we're oppressed by our mind and senses, and therefore we're on the take because they have demands we are struggling to meet the demands of this mind and senses and so therefore in that condition we cannot be a giver but human life gives us the chance to be conscious of the fact that we exist and if we reason about it we'll find it that there's a purpose for our existence and the purpose of it is what the purpose is to give the purpose of life is giving is loving. Reality exists for the purpose of no purpose. That means beyond reason. That means for love. So this is what life is for, you see. And it's so wonderful. In human life we get the chance not only to think about this, but to do it. Don't just think about it. We get the chance to do that. 
subconsciously. And I tell you frankly, however you do it, even to whatever extent your giving is tinged by taking in as much as it's motivated by demands that the mind and senses are imposing upon you, still it amounts to, what did I say? Like the crawling of a baby. Baby begins to crawl. It means the soul is beginning to crawl as much as it gives. Even if it's giving, as I say, is tinged by the influence of material nature which has us on the take. In other words, I give because I know I'm going to get or whatever. Still, give. Give. Where? Anywhere. Give anywhere. It doesn't matter. Because the more you give, then the more you will get. And you will get some insight and gradually you will get good company. And then you will know where to give. How you can, but first try to be a giver. Then the more you become a giver, then you'll get insight into where you can give. Because if you're a giver, then you figure that out. If you understood how it works, you see, that life is about giving. Start to do that. Again, this is what you mean by Krishna. Krishna means that object to which we can give without limit because that object can reciprocate unlimitedly. And so when this giving is unlimited, being, number one, properly reposed in the perfect object of love, and that giving is without any motivation, what happens is the experience of Krishna Lila. That translates out into what is called Krishna Lila. All those stories, that's what happens. That's what you experience. That's a very wonderful idea. That's what it's about. Disciple must give, guru must give. This is really, it's, a, it's a union of, of giving, the two. Mahaprabhu is described here as being swatantra, independent. Sarvabhoma could not get him to stay. He said, this is the leela of these people. Guru must be like this, independent. He cannot be controlled by anyone. No legislation, no committee, anything. He cannot be controlled, independent. That is the position of Guru. Krishna is swarat, independent. Guru must be in, as representative of that in that position, independent. He will not say everything you want him to say. Come out now, Maharaj, talk. Now you go back. Like that. He is not bought and paid for. Mahaprabhu would not be bought and paid for by the king. This is the whole idea here. He would not give darshan to the king means, I'm independent, I'm not bought and paid for. I say what I want to say, like it or not. It's good for you if you like it, if you don't, that is not my problem, that is your problem. Guru must be like this, controversial figure, actually. Controversial figure. Not a conformist, non-conformist. This is parampara means non-conformity, not to conform. Because we are conforming with the absolute, what is the nature of the Absolute? Independent. Whimsical Krishna. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. This is what we want. We want to do whatever we want, whenever we want. We grow up and we learn you can't do that. But Krishna consciousness is teaching you can do that. Reality is doing that. Krishna is mean whatever he wants, whenever he wants, he's doing. You make your will one with Krishna, then that's your position also. Krishna's life becomes like your life. You become a part of that life. So by conforming to the Absolute, then you will appear in this world as a non-conformist. And again, quoting the Scripture. But how he will quote the Scripture, even? He will quote the Scripture in ways, oh, I never heard it quoted like that. How are you going to explain it like that? How? I am doing. How can he say it like that? And the reply is, how can I say I am saying, Prabhupada would reply something like this, who would challenge, that he would say, all you can say is that you cannot do. You cannot say that. I cannot do. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm saying it. It should be understood like this. This is the position of Guru. He will disturb us and unsettle us in a good way, in a positive way. That is the business of Guru, to unsettle us. We're settled into something less less than desirable. So he's come to shake us up. He's not come just to say what we've already heard before. Come to challenge our understanding for our improvement, for our betterment. 
That is his business. And someone will always challenge. How can you say like, how can you interpret like that? How can you make that kind of statement? Sridhar Marsh told that to us, that I, my whole life, have mostly lived alone, for the most part, in a very small circle. But I had the fortune of being able to say, say the truth. I always spoke the truth. So I lived alone to a large extent. But this was the comfort, his comfort in life, I could say the truth. So we must speak like this. Mahaprabhu is not for collecting any followers like the king. I adjust myself in such a way as to get the king's patronage, and that way my mission will be successful. He did not care for the king's patronage. Of course, he had the king's patronage because he was the way he was. And that detachment, that is an opulence, that's attractive. Vairagya. No one could show more vairagya than God when he wants to come as a sannyasi. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Very attractive, very charming. So no compromise with this world. That is the position of Guru. So he will be very uh, uns unsettling and challenge our understanding, but that's for our benefit, for our growth. Sarabhama is appreciating, he says. Oh yes, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is independent entirely. What does he say next? He says, Bhattacharya Kohe, he said, Tenho Swayam Ishwar Swatantra Sakshatsi Krishna Tenho Nahip Parvatantra. He says, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he is actually Krishna himself and completely independent. Being Krishna, he doesn't depend on anyone. Tatapi rakite tanre bahu yatna kailun ishvarer swatantra icha rakite narilun. Still, I endeavored hard to keep him here, but because he is who he is, independent supreme God, I was not successful. Now, Raj kahe, the king says, Patatumi vigyan shiromani. He says, Patacharja, you are vigyan shiromani. You are the crown jewel of vigyan, of learning. That means, I know no one who is more learned than you. You just said something that stuck out in my mind, that struck me. What was that? Sakshat Shri Krishna Tengho. This Jaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself. He said, wow. <laughs> the king said. And then what does he say? He said, Bhagyan Shiromani. What the? You are the crown jewel of learning. And because of that, when you say, Tumi Tanrik Krishna Koha, Tate Sattamani, I accept it as truth. When you say that he's Krishna, which is a pretty strong statement, <laughs> I accept it. This is also important for us. Everybody's opinion doesn't matter. You should know that. Everybody's opinion, we have to say it. It doesn't matter. Who is the position, person? What is his or her standing? <laughs> we have to take into consideration, not just because you have a keyboard and a, you know, a, what do they call it? A, you know, a no. screen name or something like that. You can get on there and <laughs> say whatever you want. So we have to listen to that. Prajalpo? Do we call that Prajalpo? You know what that means? Prajalpo means... Talk of the town. Yeah, it is talk of the town. It is Gramyagata. Gramyagata. It is only just gossip and all couched in the name of philosophy, Krishna consciousness. You see, Prabhupada said this, and we make a philosophy out of two or three words, some sentence extracted from somewhere in a book or a letter. This is not opinion worth listening to. If we want to know the truth, conclusive truth, what scripture is saying, there's a system for that. First of all, like the Raj, you have to have a guru. He said, this Raj is a learned, learned person. I, for, the, for good reason, I accept what he said. This is, this is the, Bhattacharya was the guru of Prataprudra Maharaj. Having a guru is, is not just a formality. He has to be an independent person who out of compassion gives something to us. Out of compassion, not to get something from us. To have a following, some followers, to have enough chapatis. <laughs> in an old age pension program, anything like that. No. Out of compassion, you're giving. He has something to give. If you get a mantra from a person on the street and you get it from the guru, do you think it will be the same thing? No, it won't be the same thing. What is the background of that? What is his faith? It means what is his standing in realization, in his own taking of that mantra. That is shared with us at the time of initiation. This is a substantial 
thing. Sometimes they say it is a formality. No, it is not a formality. There are formalities to that, but something of substance takes place. Just like shiksha. What is the difference? Shiksha, diksha. There is a difference, but my point is, if someone gives instructions, his or her realization that's behind that will have something to do with how potent and compelling the instructions are. If you go read in a travel brochure about going to India, what it's like, and you watch a video or something like that, that will be compelling. But if you speak to a person who has just come back from India, and he has some feeling for that, then you will hear stories and anecdotes and so forth that you would never hear in the travelogue. Not only you hear things that you, from a person who's been there that you won't hear in the, in the travelogue, the very nature of his speech, there'd be a quality to that that's compelling. And when he says, and then there I was, after six days of amoebic dysentery, <laughs> I couldn't find a drop of pure water then you almost feel like you're getting dysentery yourself. <laughs> but still, he, he's saying, but it was such a great experience. Huh? I wish I could go back now. Huh? <laughs> so, so that kind of the quality of that type of uh, explanation from the person who's, who's been there, who has some experience, that will be very compelling. So similarly with the shared, that shiksha, Instruction, so with diksha, same thing. Some experience, brahmanishtam, this is required. Some standing in the land from which this comes, this mantra, about which it speaks and so forth. That must be there in order for that to be effective and also something on your side. Also, that he has standing means, again, as we said earlier, karunayaha paranaguyam, he's giving out of love, out of compassion. Not to get some follower, but to help out of kindness. And so, on our side, we have to give back. So, potent seed requires also fertile soil. He must prepare the soil by creating faith in a general sense. That means siksha of a general kind. He gives siksha of a general kind to prepare the field. Then putting the seed, then he gives siksha of a specific kind to draw out that seed. Diksha Guru is one, Shiksha Guru may be plural, because Diksha comes under Sambandha, and Shiksha comes under Abhideya Tattva. Maran Mohan is the deity of Sambandha. Sanatana Goswami, the Guru of Sambandha. He gave Brihat Bhagavatamrita. This is Sambandha Gyan. What's what? What possibilities there are in the, for the Jiva? Where he, from his present perspective, where he may go? This Sambandha Gyan is all under, uh, for the realm of Sadhana. The deity presiding, Madan Mohan. What is the prayer of Kaviraj Goswami? He says, Jayatam Surato. Jayatam Surato. Jaya means Jai. Victory Surato. It means two things. Surato means most merciful. And it means a very big lover. You see? <laughs> this is Madan Mohan. Madan Mohan. He's lover. Madan Mohan. He can defeat Cupid even king of connoisseurs of love, Asaraj. And Surato, lover and merciful. Jai, glory is to the most merciful and to the lover. See, the two go together. As I said, giving mercy, compassion, this is an act of love. Jayatam Surato, Pangor, Mamamandamater. First, the position of Maran Mohan. Oh, glory to him, victory to him. Most merciful, great lover. And my position, Jayatam Surato Pango. Pango means broken legs, lame. Mamunda, from body to head. My body is defective. My head is defective. Mamundamatea. It means karma and gyan. You understand? Karma is the physical, gyan is the mental, intellectual realm. I'm defective in both of these realms. Jayatam surato pangor mamamandamater. I'm lame, he says, and ill-advised. I'm listening to my mind. I'm ill-advised and I'm lame. It means also my life is influenced by the desire for material profit, for owning, 
and for knowing. These are the two tracks in which our material life runs on. I want to own it, and I want to know it. But bhakti is about serving the one who owns everything and knows everything, becoming his friend. Then what will be left for you to own or to know if you know on intimate terms the one who owns and knows everything? Jayatam suratopangor mamamandamateyakati matsarvasvapadam radha madana mohano this means Madamohan, presiding over Sambandha. Dikshya comes under the, in the field of Sambandha. Who needs that? Prabhupada said, everybody does not need a guru. Who needs that? Someone who can say, Pango, Mama Manda. Yes, this is my position. I'm lame and ill-advised. One who understands they have necessity. Sometimes people say, oh, you have a guru, you are with a religious group. That's okay, if you need it. It's all right. I mean, if you need that, that's fine. I think that's a good thing for some people. Weaker people, no doubt, but you know, there are some weak people in the world. So if you need a crutch, that's okay. So the difference between us and them is what? That we are acknowledging that we need a crutch. They are not, and they need it also. So our position is one of strength, you understand? Who acknowledges their necessity is in a position of strength. Who does not acknowledge the necessity when they actually have it, oh, then they're, they're in a much greater difficulty. So we should not be ashamed that we're needy. If a young boy is hungry, that's a good sign. Some appetite, some necessity. Once we were sitting in the company of Maharaj, he gave a beautiful speech and one of the devotees said, Guru Maharaj, after hearing you, we are completely satisfied. He said, satisfied? Completely? He made us, without any um, cynicism or anything, is it possible even? That anyone can be completely satisfied. <laughs> All this time, I'm still. I find it as I'm getting nowhere practically. It's, it's, such is the nature of the the subject, the topic. But we should have recognized we have a necessity, and the extent to which we recognize we have a necessity means we're coming in touch with reality. That means we'll come in touch with the solution to our necessity. This is the way life works. Every species of life has a necessity, and there's a system built into nature to provide. Every animal has a defense system and a diet in the vicinity where it's born and so forth. Their needs are to eat and to mate and, and so forth, defend themselves. They have these needs. We as humans, we have another need. So our need is, why am I? This is our need. So there's a system to answer that need. That's what we call Guru Parampara. One after another. Keeps coming like waves. One after another. And the environment is continually resisting. After he's gone, they say he was bona fide. Gosh! And I could have had the company of the... Too bad nobody now is bona fide. It goes on generation after generation. Don't miss the boat. point is, help is available. That is the system set up by Krishna. He says... Evam parampara praptam imam raja shayobidu sakale namata yoganashta parantapa. There's a necessity, and I provide for that necessity. I energize my own mission. I give energy to that, that it may go on happily, <coughs> nicely, progressively. So we should try to come under that, come under good guidance to find a good guru, diksha guru. Shiksha Guru, Shiksha Guru may play a more prominent role than the Diksha Guru. That's possible. The two are working together in tandem. They have not got a separate purpose. They have one purpose. To love us, to show love to us. They come by the divine arrangement to meet our necessity. And when we get that connection through Diksha and Shiksha, this is how our life becomes fortunate. And I, in my monastery there. The room that I live in has a little extended, uh, what would you call it, uh, like porch or something, sunroom or something like that. And then I, I write in there, looking out over the ashram. It's got windows on three sides, the back facing the rest of the room. So I'm writing there, and just outside of my window, in the rafter, a bird has built a nest. <laughs> I saw oh, a bird has built a nest. So I was watching over the weeks, and She's coming, and 
There were two or three sometimes. I was surprised. There was more mother than mothers than one, which is, seems odd, but then again, <laughs> it's a monastery, so you can expect something different. And then one uh, morning, sure enough, there were three chicks hatched. Bird is called Dvija. Dvija. What does Dvija mean? Dvija. Dvija means born, birth. Dvija means twice. Twice born. Who's initiated, given diksha, means born again, like the Christians say, to be born again. So, we have to understand it like this. Bird has two births. One birth inside the egg, then egg hatches and birth outside the egg. What is the difference between the two? What potential does that bird have if it has birth inside the egg, but the egg never hatches? What is the difference? We cannot even begin to imagine what is the difference. Do you understand? We are born in this human life. That's extremely valuable. In humanity, what happens is, is nature wakes up to itself. Otherwise, nature is just moving. It doesn't know it has a soul. Do you understand? Nature doesn't know it has a soul. It's animating it. All the species just flapping along. Automatic, by habit, as we call karma. Out of habit, just moving out of habit. We come to human life and nature wakes up and says, I have a soul. There's a soul to material existence, to this whole affair. Hmm, and it's me. That is mind-boggling. You see, that's happened to all of us. That's happened to us. We have human life. It's very extraordinary. If you understand now the ramifications of that, and you fully apply yourself, what your life will be. But if you don't, it's like an egg never hatched. I'll be honest with you. I knew the eggs were there, and I was afraid. What if because I'm so close, you know, so I'd be afraid of a human being, mother won't come and sit on the eggs. So I was quiet whenever she was around, and I wanted those eggs to hatch, that the creature of the land could fly in the sky. Is it possible? It's magic, you see. Spiritual life is, means magic entering our life. Love is magical. Giving is magic. By giving, you get. Who would know? Who would have thought that by giving, you would get? Who can prove it? Can you hold it up and show? I got it. You see, this is it. But it's a fact. And the world moves by that. Swaha. The world moves around. Swaha means around giving. This is the secret. This is the magic, the mystery of it all. Guru gives. And what does he ask? You give. You become like me. Become a giver. Guru gives means that egg hatches. That is diksha. Second birth. And <laughs> then maybe one or two more coming and I think there are two mothers coming and putting worms and other things insects in the mouth feeding nourishing means Siksha Guru also <laughs> Diksha Guru Siksha Guru the Diksha Guru also Siksha Guru but some help is coming sometimes I was quite startled the two birds were feeding I know it wasn't the father anyway so then I'll go back and I, by the time I return maybe I already be flying it's inconceivable. What is their possibility now? But they only remain in the egg. Sometimes this universe is compared to an egg in Scripture. You can think of it like that. You're born in the egg of the universe. You can hatch out. You can go beyond it. The universe is limited. What of that? So we should try to take advantage of our human life, come in touch with the independence, agent of independence, and no freedom ourselves, the freedom of love. This possibility has come to us. We've got human life and this kind of company where we can discuss this, take advantage of it. And if you focus on this, it's such a simple point, if you really focus on this, then you can actually, as I say, fly as high in the sky of, of your spiritual life as you like, even if you don't know all the theory. And there is a lot of metaphysical and theological theory to go to Vaishnavism. I do recommend it. It's According to your capacity, you learn it, it will be helpful. But even if you don't, if you just focus on this simple point, I'm a human being, this is what's happening. This is not just a story. I'm not just giving you some dogma here. <laughs> this happened to us. 
This happened to us. We woke up. We got a human dress. We can think that we, we can know. Cogito ergo sum. I, I know. I exist. Nature has a soul and it's me. This is extraordinary. So try to take advantage. Follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. That's taking it to the fullest advantage because he taught that human beings are not different from animals just because they can reason, but because they can love. And giving, as I said, is like the baby, the soul, when the soul starts to give in any way, it's like a baby crawling. And when he gives fully in the right place, with full understanding, that's dancing. And that's what we call Krishna Leela. That's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching us about. Sarvabhauma knew it. The king vicariously through Sarvabhauma's enthusiasm, knew it. We should try to catch that contagious sense of the value of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. Any question? Yay.